Shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on this beautiful September day? If it's in your house, you are in the right place. We're here to help you with those home improvement, those decor projects. We're trying to stop you from becoming a do-it-to-yourselfer by picking on more than perhaps you can handle. <laughs> but whatever it is, give us a call because we would love to lend a hand. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. Coming up this hour, if you're planning to put your home on the market, getting it ready is no small feat. We're going to share a few quick and easy and inexpensive projects that will add value immediately and that buyers will absolutely love. Plus, one home improvement that consistently delivers the best return on investment is a new kitchen. But how do you actually get started on planning such a major makeover? We're going to share some tips in just a bit. And if you're about to close a vacation home or a boat or an RV, there's a good chance you may find mold when you open it up next spring. But not if you follow our tips to stop mold coal. We'll have those in just a bit. So first, though, give us a call right now. We want to hear what you're working on. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Pam in Colorado's on the line. How can we help you today? We have uh, floors throughout our house. Most of them are carpeted uh, that squeak, like you know, bedrooms, hallway, living room, stairs, things like that. And then a bathroom that has. Um, the the vinyl flooring, the laminar flooring, um, and we've tried. Uh, there was a there was a little kit that you could buy at Ace Hardware, where you find the floor joist, and then you put screws every so often down into the joist, I guess, and that didn't work. It only made it worse. So you're trying to fix a squeaky floor that's under what kind of flooring material? Carpet? Yes, carpet. I'm sorry. Yes, carpet. All right. It's wall-to-wall carpet? Yes, it is. All right. So here's the trick of the trade, Pam. You ready? I am ready. I'm so ready. What you want to do, um, the the first thing you need is a a good stud finder. You're going to get like a Stanley stud sensor so that you can use a device, electronic device, that will allow you to sort of peek through the carpet and identify exactly where the floor joists are below. Now, once you identify the floor joists, what you're going to do is take a number 10 or number 12 galvanized finish nail. And we say galvanized because it's a little rougher than, than, a, than a regular plated finish nail and tends to hold better. And then you're going to drive that at a slight angle, like about a 15 degree angle, right through the carpet and right through the subfloor, and right into the floor joist. Now, when you do that, you'll notice that the carpet sort of sags down and gets like dimpled where the nail head goes through. The trick is to grab the nap of the carpet right around the nail head and pull it through the nail head. It'll pop through, and then you sort of brush the carpet, and that nail will disappear below it, and you won't see it again. So you can get away with actually fixing a squeak through carpet with this trick of the trade. Oh, wow. That would be awesome. And again, could you tell me the type of nail one more time? Yeah, number 10 or number 12 galvanized finish nail. Okay, number 10 or number 12 floor joist at a 15-degree angle. Yeah, but you got to find that joist or, you're, or you can't be nailing into air. You know, you want to make sure you're nailing into the floor joist, okay? Okay, thanks so much. You have an awesome show. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Rick in Nebraska on the line who's dealing with a sinking driveway. Tell us what's going on. Um, It's starting to, 
uh, drop down the house. It's a townhouse, actually, and it's only about eight years old. What's happening is my uh, driveway is sinking down about an inch and a half from my garage okay. floor, and I don't know for sure how to cure this. It's starting to crack down. I've got a crack about uh, probably six foot going down from the garage. So tell me something, Rick. It, because it's a townhouse, are you responsible for the driveway? Yes, I am. Okay. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, the, the reason it happens is, and especially in a newer townhouse like this, is it's obviously the last thing that's installed. And all of the soil that was excavated to build that townhouse settles. And it settles a lot in the first decade that the home is up. And, you know, the the driveway, they probably didn't do a very good job tamping down that soil and properly repairing the base. So that's kind of what you're stuck with. So your options are to put an additional layer on the driveway or to tear it up and, you know, build it anew from scratch and, and kind of do it right. I would be tempted, since it's down an hour and a half, since it's down an inch and a half, to put another layer on that because the settlement on it is probably fairly slow. And I think you could probably get away with putting another layer on and, and, and get away with it for several years. And, and at that point, if it, if it settles any further, you can go ahead and tear it up. Uh, but you might want to get prices both ways. Cause if you tear it up and you put in a proper stone base and it's tamped correctly, the driveway doesn't have to ever crack. But the standards in terms of, you know, what makes a, a, a good driveway have to be kind of established. You know, a, a driveway is a light duty version of a road and you don't see roads sink and crack that readily, but you see them more with driveways because the contractors don't, you know, put the stone depth into it. They don't compact it like you do a road and, and you can do all that and have a driveway be permanent. But I think I would also think about how long I'm going to be in the townhouse. If it's a really long term home for me, then I'm more likely to make a, a, a deeper investment than if it's a short term home. All right, Rick. Well, there's your options. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Marion, Illinois, is on the line with a painting question. How can we help you today? I want to uh, paint a fireplace. It's brick. And just want to know if there's, uh, if you can do that, first of all, and if there's a certain kind of paint you need to use. Has it been painted before, or is it natural brick? No, it's uh, natural brick, original brick. Well, you certainly can paint it, but I would think very carefully before you do this, because once you paint, you have to repaint eventually. And fireplaces tend to get very dirty and very smoky, and they're hard to keep clean. If it's just the color that you don't like, there may be some ways to sort of decorate around that color, but I would really hesitate to tell you to paint it. We get a lot of calls from folks that are not happy with painted fireplaces. They want to know how to do the exact opposite, which is get the paint off. And once you paint, it's just really hard to do that. Okay. I was kind of worried about whether it would peel or or when you say it just gets, you just have to keep repainting because of... Well, paint over time is going to crack and dry out, and it will get so dirty just from, you know, the exhaust and the use of the fireplace that you'll get sort of that that haze around the upper portion of it, regardless of what type of screen you have. Um, Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that since this will be its first time being painted, the brick is so porous that you're going to put a lot of time into priming because it's just going to absorb all of that primer. And you want to get a good quality primer. You want to make sure that you brush in the grout lines, roll on the surfaces of the brick, brush again. So it's, it's a lot of steps. It can be done. But as Tom said, if you want to take that paint off, it's now a chemical stripper. And because that brick is so porous, it's going to have sucked in all of that color. And so it'll never get back to that original brick look again. It'll have that sort of hue of whatever color it was. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Give us a call with your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right here at 888-MONEY-PIT. Still ahead, getting your home ready to sell is no small feat, but we can help you figure out what buyers are looking for. Learn three simple things that you can do to increase your home's value instantly next. Live in the Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost guide to see what others paid for a similar project and then get matched with top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments. It's all for free at HomeAdvisor.com. Brian in Arkansas is on the line and has a mysterious odor in the house. What's going on? I've got a crawl space under my house of about 1,900 square feet. And we've noticed the last several years, only in the summer, when we go away from a long weekend, we come back on a Sunday night and there's a peculiar odor in the house. It's a musty smell, if you will, but again, only in the summertime. Well, it's typically more humid in the summer, and you you mentioned that uh, you know it only happens when you're away, so you have less air movement inside the house, doors are not being opened and closed. Is this crawl space under your house, does it have a vapor barrier over it, Brian? Uh, well, when the house was built 15 years ago, they put down some probably four or six mil sheeting, but it wasn't completely encapsulated. So what I have done in the last two weeks has gotten some 15 mil poly, and I have totally encapsulated under the house. I've wrapped the pillars, I've sealed the walls, and I've taped the seams. So that's great. So something else that you can do is you could add uh, an exhaust fan into that crawl space and have it set to work off a, a humidistat. And the way you do that is they have uh, crawl space fans that are basically 8 by 16 inches, which is the same size as a concrete block. So in lieu of one of the vents, you install this fan and you, rem- you wire it to humidistat, maybe mounted somewhere in the middle of the crawl space. And then when the moisture gets really high, the humidistat will kick on the fan and it will draw some drier air through the crawl space. 
Now, the third thing that you can do is just to be very careful with your outdoor drainage maintenance. So by that, I mean make sure you have gutters on the house, that the downspouts are discharging away from the house, and that the soil around the crawl space perimeter slopes away from the house. By trying to keep that water away from those walls, you'll reduce the amount of moisture that's building up in the crawl space. Does that make sense? It does. I think I've got all that covered at this point. What about a dehumidifier? I've been told that's the next step. You could put a dehumidifier in, but I would rather see you put that simple ventilation fan hooked up to a humidistat on first. But if you want to put a dehumidifier in, I would take a look at the one by Santa Fe. I actually just put a Santa Fe dehumidifier in my basement. It's working really, really well. And I liked it because it's not very big. It hangs from the from the rafters. And it was only 12 by 12 by 22. So it was pretty small unit. So it didn't take up a lot of space. And it's doing a really good job. The one I put in takes out 70 pints of water a day. Wow. Well, uh, as I take a, uh, each step here, I'm trying to... Uh go and see if I'm doing everything correct. Could there be anything else that I'm missing, or am I assuming that the smell is coming from under the house up into the first floor? Well, I mean, the only other typical source of smells in houses is, is plumbing smells. So sometimes you get biogas in the drains of your sinks or your tubs. That can cause an odor. But if you clean those out with, like, an oxygenated bleach, that will keep that under control. But if you have that kind of humid, musty smell, um, it may very well be coming from the crawl space. Okay, so if I totally encapsulate it and either put a fan in and or a dehumidifier, should I see results in just a couple of weeks maybe? I think so, yes. Okay, because that uh, that takes care of the, the, the air under the house, which affects the first floor as well, I guess. Absolutely. I will uh, proceed with that. Well, if you're planning to put your home on the market, getting it ready is no small feat. But there are a few quick and relatively inexpensive projects you can do that will add value very quickly and really resonate with potential buyers. First up, curb appeal is still the easiest, least expensive, and fastest way to increase the value of your home. Now, landscaping can cost as little as a few hundred dollars and make a lasting impression that will increase your home's value by thousands. Go for plants that add color and complement your home's decor because people react to color emotionally and they're going to be drawn to the property. Next, replacing your front door makes a huge impact as well. And if you go with fiberglass, you can talk up the energy efficiency angle to the potential buyers as well. Finally, give buyers a place to put their stuff as soon as they move in. Adding storage kits to the garage, basement, or closets will make your house look bigger and less cluttered. you got to remember that people that are buying houses are usually moving from one that's too small. So show them how roomy and organized yours can be, and you'll make a great first impression. 888-666-3974. If you're struggling with a storage project, decor project, or any kind of remodeling job, give us a call right now. We'd love to help you get that done at 1-888-MONEYPIT. All right, we're heading out to Delaware where Mary's got a question about a roof. What's going on at your money pit? I have a two-story house with three-tab shingles that are 25 years old, and I'm about to replace them with the architectural. I have an attic fan currently. It's about 30 years old, and I don't really have to keep that. But I, my question is regarding that, uh, an a replacement attic fan versus the ridge vent. So we would definitely recommend a ridge vent over a replacement attic fan for a lot of reasons. Here's why. In the summer, many, time, many times folks will install attic fans to try to cool their attic, thinking that it will lower their cooling costs. But what generally happens is when an attic fan kicks on, it will depressurize your attic. 
And then it needs to replace that negative pressure. So what will happen is it will reach down into your house and actually pull some of that air-conditioned air up into the attic. Now, how that happens is interesting. It'll pull it out from gaps around, say, where your attic door is, or it'll pull it through the walls, through gaps around plumbing pipes or electrical wires or outlets that go through. There's usually some sort of thermal connection between the inside and the outside. And by using an attic fan, you're going to potentially drive the cooling costs up, not down. A better option is a ridge vent, a continuous ridge vent that goes down the peak of the entire roof, and that will exhaust attic air. But the ridge vent should always be matched with soffit vents at the overhang of the roof so that the air will enter down low on the roof, roll up underneath the roof sheathing, and then exit at the ridge. And that, that sort of convective loop will do a much better job of keeping your attic cool than an attic fan. It will not dry, and it will not drive up your cooling costs. And you close off the uh, current attic. Fan. That's right. I would actually, if you're if you are going to be replacing your roof, I would simply take that whole fan out, tap off the wires, and disconnect it. You don't need it. Okay. The other question is, I also have a whole house fan, which I rarely use. Uh, can you still use a whole house fan uh, with the ridge vent? Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's talk about the difference between a whole house fan and an attic fan. An attic fan is just that. It draws air out of the attic. A whole house fan is mounted generally on the ceiling of the of the upper floor of the house and it's going to draw air from your house itself push it up into the attic where it'll be exhausted now the key with a whole house fan is you have to have enough exhaust ventilation up in the attic if you end up having a continuous ridge vent and continuous soft vents i think you probably will have plenty of exhaust ventilation up there in the attic i would suggest if you don't have it already to put that whole house fan on a timer because it's really effective especially at night when you can set it for an hour or so when you're going to sleep to kind of keep that air moving through the house and then it'll just go off uh, by the time you fall asleep and the air gets cooler vents in the eaves of the house which were built in the house are they closed off when you get the ridge vent? Generally, yes. Those small vents that are on the ends of the gable walls, you do want to close those off and make sure you have continuous soffit and ridge vents because you'll get some turbulence between the ridge vent and that end gable vent that can impact the flow of the air. All right, Mary? All right. Uh, hopefully uh, that's what I need, and I'm about to call a contractor tomorrow. All right, and now you know what to get done. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- Money Pit. Doug in Rhode Island's on the line with a ventilation question. What's going on at your Money Pit? I have two bathroom vents and also a a hood exhaust vent over the cooktop. So I have two four-inch vents and a six-inch vent that I need to put through the roof somehow, and I'd rather not. I'd rather not do it in three different vents. I'm wondering if there's an option. Well, the bathroom vents, if they're near each other, could be brought together uh, in the attic and then brought out to one termination point. You obviously don't want to dump all that air in the attic. It's warm. It's moist. It's humid, and it's going to ruin your insulation's effect. Uh, as terms of the uh, bath, in terms of the kitchen vent, that I would keep separate because that could potentially be greasy, and you just don't want to mix that in with the bathroom ventilation. Okay. And make sure, in in all cases, I would recommend you avoid the flexible vent ducting and use uh, metal ducting, not the flexible metal ducting, but the smooth metal ducting, because it just has less resistance as the air blows through it, and it's easier to clean if you have to. Okay. Now, do I have to use a um insulated uh, to connect the hosing? No, you don't have to insulate the ducting. 
That's not necessary. No. Okay. Nope. Just use a solid metal duct to do this. Okay. You can you can buy these in home centers and hardware stores. What I don't want you to do is use those flexible plastic ducts or flexible metal ducts. Okay. I got you. All right, Doug. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. You can reach us anytime with your home repair or home improvement question, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, right here at eight 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 Money Pit. Hey, are you thinking about updating your kitchen? Well, repeating its existing layout can be tempting, but the real kitchen of your dreams probably includes updated functionality and flow. Now, Pro Design Services can help you get there. We're going to share those tips in today's Pro Project, presented by HomeAdvisor.com, next. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at one Money Pit, presented by HomeAdvisor, where you can find top-rated home service pros and book appointments online all for free. That's at HomeAdvisor.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Happy price, price line. Amy in Arkansas is on the line and is having an issue with the bricks on her home. What's going on? Okay, 
I've got a home that sits on a concrete slab. They're made out of the cinder blocks. And the cracks is beginning to crack on the outside and the inside. And somebody told me to use concrete with it. And I want to do it myself. So what do I need to do to seal those cracks? Yeah, you you don't want to use concrete because concrete is not going to fill cracks very well. Are we talking about sort of hairline or fairly thin cracks here, Tammy? Well, maybe a half an inch. They're kind of separating there, but they're separating in the seams of the block. But you really think it's a full half inch? That's an awfully big crack. Well, you can put your finger up to it. It's pretty big. You can see on the outside, you can see on the inside. Okay, well, listen, if you're getting that kind of movement in the wall... You need to have this looked at by an expert. I would have a professional home inspector or a structural engineer look at it because that's a huge crack in the building. A half-inch crack is really big if it's pulling apart. That means that the house is sliding apart at that wall or settling on one end of the building, causing that to crack. And I would like to know why that's happening. Are those cracks new or have they always been there? No, 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 no. They just started because the place was built in 1969. Yeah, you've got to get to the bottom of it, Tammy, because if something's wrong with the house uh, for those cracks to occur like that. Now, you're not talking about you're not talking about mortar that fell out, are you? You're talking about a physical crack, so all the mortar's still there. It's just separated. It's just separating is all it is. The mortar's still there. Yeah, I would. here's what I would do, Tammy. I would go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors. It's ashi, A-S-H-I dot org. Find a certified home inspector in your area or have a structural engineer look at it. Get their recommendations, and then you can take it from there. If the cracks are that big, I want to stop the building from moving before we begin to think about sealing them up, okay? Okay. Okay, I sure appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, fall is actually the most popular time of year for kitchen renos because everybody is in a rush to get them done for the holidays. So if you've been thinking of updating your kitchen, the hardest part can be just figuring out where to start. We've got tips to help in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. First, it's easy to stick with the same old current design, but thinking outside those old boxes can bring inspiration on a brand new and perhaps even more efficient kitchen layout. If you change the location of the sink, the functionality of the countertop, add or even remove an island to free up space, and get strategic with lighting to make sure you have both task and accent lights, those are all things a pro designer can help you achieve. Now, to help find an experienced design pro, the National Kitchen and Bath Association, or NKBA, offers a certification program. To become an NKBA-certified kitchen and bath designer, pros must have at least five years of a design experience and must complete at least 60 hours of continuing education. Now, the really nice thing about working with a pro designer is that you can pretty much wipe the slate clean and start from scratch. So the sky's really the limit. Seeing beautiful kitchen designs or showrooms or websites can be fun, but it can also feel overwhelming. And the skills of a design pro can definitely make the difference and help you achieve all that's possible for the space you have to work with. Plus, they can do that while potentially saving you the money, time, and hassle of figuring it all out on your own. And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with the top-rated home service pros in your area and compare prices, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Steve in Massachusetts is on the line with a leak in the ceiling. What's going on? I have a two-story colonial, and I have a number of water leaks, in, especially down on my first floor, in a foyer, a living room, a kitchen, 
in a first floor bathroom and also in a second room bathroom. And they're not big uh, leaks, but they, I mean, they are noticeable. And I want to kind of correct the problem, you know, and I know I can paint all of it, but I want to correct the problem first. So I had a roofer tell me that maybe I should put a uh, ridge vent, and I know what a lot of the ice dams we had last year. You know, I'm just wondering, I'm kind of dumbfounded why all on the first floor and none other than the bathroom in the second floor, you know. So these seem to be from condensation? Could be, I guess, you know, the yellowish and that. I do have a little overhang in my kitchen area, and that came about four years ago. I painted over a used kilt and that, but then it come back again a year later. So I don't know whether it's like an insulation problem, a roof problem. I did put a second roof on back about five years ago. Up to that point, I never had any problems. Because so. it doesn't sound like a roof leak or a plumbing leak. It's just showing up in the oddest of places. You know, and I'm dumbfounded. The way to go. I mean, you know. <laughs> now, how much water do you see when you say you've seen a leak? How much water are you seeing? I just see the I just see the stains. I don't really see the leak. Have you ever confirmed that it's actually wet? Uh, not really. There's a moisture meter that you can use. Uh, you know, we used to use them in the 20 years I spent as a home inspector, and there's um, a kind that you can just basically wave over the spot and we'll read what the moisture level is. It would be interesting. If I saw those stains, I would take a reading at the stain and I would take a reading at the ceiling, you know, somewhere else. And if it's the same number, then it's not really wet. It may have been wet, but it's no longer wet. If the stain is wetter than the other areas, then that would tell you something different. It would tell you it was an active leak. But what we have to do is get to the bottom of the moisture source and then get these leak uh, stains eliminated. And I think you're on the right step with the right process with that. You want to basically paint them over with a primer, an oil-based primer, and then put a finished top coat of paint on top of that. But if it's actively leaking, we have to deal with that. So I would say that the first thing we need to do, and since you have so many of these, is it might make sense for you to um, have a professional home inspector come by, take a look at these up close and personal. Home inspectors always carry moisture meters with them. Try to figure out what's going on and then get it resolved. I wouldn't do anything in terms of repair until I got some independent expert advice from somebody who doesn't want to sell you anything. That's the problem with getting the advice from the roofer there. You know, you ask them how to solve the problem, and, and they're always going to give you a solution where they're part of it. You know, part of it includes hiring them. So, you know, just avoid that conflict of interest in a situation where you have so many uh, areas that you're seeing leaks. I would get some independent expert advice in person. All right. Very good. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Give us a call with your home repair or home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Well, sadly, summer is coming to an end in a few weeks. And if you're getting ready to close up an RV, vacation home, a boat, or even a shed, do you know how to keep mold from forming? We've got tips for keeping those spaces mold-free after this. Live in the Money Pit. That is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. Then get matched to top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com.
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. We really have the best local pros for any home service. That's right. doesn't matter what the project is. They make it fast and easy to find top-rated pros. And there are no membership fees. It's 100% free to use. HomeAdvisor.com. Maisie, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Just asking about how can you get rid of the gnats going in through your house. They're eating you up, huh? Yes, I'm about gone. Well, one of the things that you can do is to create a somewhat natural repellent for those gnats. And you take apple cider vinegar, put it in a small bowl, and then add in a surfactant like dishwashing detergent, just a bit of that, mix it together. And then you cover that bowl with like plastic wrap and you put a few holes in it so that the bugs can get in there, but they can't get out of there. And they'll be attracted, they'll be attracted to that. It ends up being sort of a one-way trap though, because once they get in there, they can't get out. I love that idea. Terrific. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, you take steps to keep intruders out of your vacation home, your boat, or RV during the winter season, but there's a potential squatter you've maybe been overlooking. I'm talking about mold. Now, if you leave it alone for long stretches, sealed-up spaces can become breeding grounds for it. Now, there are a couple of ways to stop this from happening. First, controlling humidity is the first key to preventing mold in any space, but especially important in a space that's unoccupied and closed for days or weeks or months at a time. Now, if we're talking about a vacation home, one way to control the relative humidity is to use your programmable thermostat strategically. You want to set the air conditioning at 72 degrees for two hours every morning and once again before sunset and to 88 degrees for the rest of the day and night. This is going to prevent mold by removing moisture from the air when the relative humidity is high. Also, portable dehumidifiers can be another great option to keeping mold away, especially for basements. But you do need to make sure that they can drain automatically, like with a line that goes to a sump pump or with a condensate pump that lifts that water up and away. Because draining it tends to be the most difficult part. So take that part of the equation away for you and let the system do it itself. Plus, you can also reduce humidity by making sure that your home's outside drainage is set up right. You want to make sure that your house has gutters and downspouts and an adequate amount of downspouts. You want to make sure that those downspouts extend away from the foundation of your home. Three to six feet is ideal. You need to make sure everything is connected. If some points go underground, try to check it out, make sure things are still connected properly, because if water gets right close to your foundation, it's going to find its way inside. And make sure that the soil around the house is on a grade away from the house. You don't want to trap water back towards the foundation. These are all recipes for disaster. So get that water away. Now, if it's a boat, an RV, or a shed that you're worried about, think about pre-treating the surfaces inside and out with mold cleaners prior to locking it up for the winter. And again, as soon as they're opened up next season. And to the extent it's possible, avoid using materials in these spaces that can feed mold, like cardboard boxes, so you have little or no mold that needs to be cleaned up next spring. Greg in Delaware, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have. Uh, I just moved into a house in Milford, Delaware. And I have a line scale build up on my shower door um, from the previous owners. And I, I tried every chemical possible, uh, Kaboom and CLR, and it was ineffective. I wanted to know what's the best solution or the best uh, tool I can use to get line scale built up 
off a glass shower door. If it's lime scale for sure and CLR is not removing it, then I wonder if it's something else because CLR is really effective at removing lime scale buildup. Have you um, tried to test this deposit with some vinegar? No. Because if you put some white vinegar, saturate like a, um, a sponge with white vinegar and wash across that, that what you're calling a lime deposit, it will instantly melt it. If it really is lime, if it's really calcium and lime, it will instantly melt it, and then you can rinse it off. If it's not, then I wonder if there's something else that's staining the door. Oh, what else could it be? Sometimes, depending on the types of cleaners that people have used in the past, they can actually scratch those doors. If you use something that was an abrasive cleaner to clean the shower door, you can put kind of like a fog across it that looks a little bit like a limescale buildup but it's really just a damage to the surface of the door. Do the vinegar test, Greg. See what happens, and then let us know, okay? Okay, I definitely will. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Give us a call anytime with your home repair or home improvement question. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right here at 888 Money Pit. Up next, if you've got kids, do you know the golden rules for installing and using a child's car seat? We're going to have the step-by-step you need to keep kids safe when the Money Pit continues. You live in a Money Pit. It is presented by Quickcrete Fast Setting Concrete Mix in the red bag. Make your next outdoor concrete project quick and easy. Quickcrete Fast Setting Concrete Mix. Look for it in the red bag. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We'd love to hear from you. What are you working on? Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, presented by Home Advisor. You can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of HomeAdvisor's top-rated pros for free. And don't forget, while you're online, post your question in the Money Pits community section, just like Jack and George did. Now, Jack writes, my plaster ceilings are really deteriorated. Can I put drywall over them, or am I asking for a moisture problem? Well, you've got a lot of options, Jack. I mean, if they're deteriorated, if they're like loose and sort of falling off the ceiling deteriorated, hmm, you know, there are possible repairs that you can do to secure up that old plaster, but it does need a lot of maintenance. In that case, you can either remove the plaster completely or and put up drywall, or you can put the drywall over the old plaster. You're not going to have any moisture issues associated with covering the old plaster, um, but the walls and the ceilings become a bit thicker. Now, I've done it both ways. One of the things that I found that I kind of wasn't counting on, but it probably should have when I took off all the old plaster, was that those old walls are not exactly very flat because those old studs are not exactly very straight. So, well, when we have wet plaster that was put on 100 years ago, the tradesman then could smooth it out and make it even, but because it's, you know, now we're doing this with drywall, you don't have that option. So you have to do a lot of shimming and kind of futzing with the wall to get it to lay right. So for that reason and others, I've come to the opinion that the best thing to do is to put the drywall on top of the old plaster, screw right through the old plaster into the studs, and just kind of call it a day right there. You may have to make some adjustments with like the window trim or the door trim or the outlets or the light switches because the wall will now be a little bit thicker. But I think it's definitely the best way to to go. The other problem that you're going to have, which is just a big mess, when you take that plaster down, man, it gets everywhere, and it's super heavy. So you're going to avoid that hassle, too. 
All right, now we've got one from Carolyn who writes, We installed a one-piece tub shower in our basement only a year ago as well as linoleum flooring. Already the lino is rolling up where it meets the tub. You know, I found it very difficult to try to re-glue that back down, so I would recommend you use quarter-round molding or shoe molding. Definitely the best way, and it's available as a composite, so that's going to be made of plastic or PVC, not of wood, so it won't even rot. All right, I hope that helps you out, Carolyn. Well, with school underway and fall activities in full swing, there's a good chance your kids are spending a lot of time in the car. To make sure they're as safe as the road they're on, Leslie has some surprising news about car seat safety in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, constantly getting in and out of cars with kids can be a real drag, and you might be tempted to boot the booster seat once your child is a little bit older. But don't let the hassle of straps and seatbelts get the best of your judgment or your little one's safety. Now, studies show that many parents are getting rid of booster seats long before their child is big enough to ride safely with just that seatbelt. Parents are also bending safety rules by letting kids ride in the front seat or without any seatbelts at all. Keep in mind, your child needs to be at least 57 inches tall. That's 4 feet 9 inches and weigh 80 to 100 pounds to ride with just a seatbelt. Yes, that means that many kids are going to be in booster seats well into elementary school. I know it's embarrassing. Make them sit in it. Remember that a booster seat's no good if it's not buckled in properly. So check on a regular basis to make sure that those seats are strapped in. And finally, set a good example. Click your own seatbelt before you put that car into drive. You've got to be a good example. Kids have to know that they need to stay safe and you've got to do it right. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, if you can't get that lush green lawn of your dreams... We've got some good news. Grass is not the only option. We're going to have some tips for choosing and planting the best alternative ground covers for your outdoor space in the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.